Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today's episode will not disappoint. Trust me on this, because today we're going to be talking about diversity recruiting. And I have my friend, Carlos Butler Vale. He's the Global Director of Diversity and Inclusion for McDonald's. And I'm excited to have him come to the podcast because he's a wealth of knowledge and experience in this topic. Look, I've spoken to him on, on Zoom a couple of times now. And I'm telling you, if it wasn't that, because he has such a busy schedule and I have such a busy schedule, we could talk forever in this topic. Yeah. So I'm so excited Absolutely. to kind of bring him on the podcast and for you guys to get to know him a little better. So Carlos, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity. And I have to say, honestly, despite the fact that I've been home for quite some time now, I'm still in relatively good spirits. I'm a very social person, so I am missing a lot of that sort of, you know, face-to-face interaction. But honestly, I feel really blessed and fortunate to have an opportunity where I have a job that I can work from home and still be able to impact people. So thank you for this, and thank you for the work that you're doing, too. No, absolutely. So I don't think I told you this before we started recording, but yesterday I was speaking to Martita and um, oh my gosh, <laughs> and she had nothing but amazing things to talk about because um, she's going to be a guest in the podcast as well awesome. coming up. And she was asking me, I was like, yeah, I have three interviews for the podcast coming up. She asked me who they were. I mentioned your name and she was like, oh my God. I love her. I love her. She's amazing. And I bet we're connected to the same person too, which I think is awesome. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of really amazing people that I honestly look up to and she's definitely one of them. So hopefully she sees this and she knows that the, well, she should know anyway that the feeling is mutual, but uh, I'm definitely going to have to connect with her after this. Yes. Well, so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? You've had such an amazing career and it's, in a, it's like a, it's a role model of a career. So why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself yeah. so we can get to know you better? Well, I appreciate that. So um, first and foremost, uh, as you mentioned, I am uh, Carlos Butler Vale. 
I was actually born in Puerto Rico. I moved to um, the suburbs of Illinois um, or, you know, the suburbs of Chicago in Illinois um, when I was seven, almost eight years old. Um, so I've been here for quite some time. Having that experience of learning English as a second language was actually super um, interesting for me. And actually, I think really piqued my interest in even the type of work that I'm doing right now. Um, I grew up in a place called Elgin, Illinois, and a lot of the folks that I um, grew up with were of Mexican descent. You know, their families were, you know, they were either first generation or, you know, had just recently moved here from Mexico and just seeing them go through a lot of the struggles that they were going through, sort of acclimating and, you know, assimilating, I think for me was also extremely eye-opening. Um, so I grew up in that area. I was always extremely involved in, you know, everything I could uh, in my city. Uh, I ended up going, to, I got a scholarship to Elgin Community College. So I did that for two years. Um, before that, actually, I can't skip over, I think, the really cool part, which was the fact that I got um, a scholarship through the Rotary Youth Exchange Program to live in Japan for a year as an exchange student. Um, so I did that, and I thought that was um, amazing and also another one of those life-changing um, experiences. Came back, went to George Washington University, did my degree in international affairs, um, and then eventually ended up getting my master's. Um, so I actually started kind of my process in sort of the human resources DNI world um, in real in um, in retail and so I worked for at that end was structure ultimately ended up becoming express and I worked in human resources and did store management for many many years and really learned that whole concept of working with people and teamwork and really meeting people where they are um, and then eventually I actually ended up getting into I went from that to government, which I thought was quite an interesting pivot. So I worked for Congressman Adam Schiff from California for a few years. You may have heard his name um, probably in the news the last maybe year or so. Um, and then uh, after that, I decided to make another pivot to higher education. So I became an administrator at a university here in Illinois for eight years, then made another pivot. Uh, and so I keep I keep pointing those out because I think those are important. So I made another pivot into technology um, and diversity recruitment with Groupon. And then now I actually work as a global director of diversity and inclusion at McDonald's, assisting uh, some of my colleagues who actually do diversity recruiting on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's very interesting. You, you mentioned so many pivots, but yeah. when did you realize that you wanted to go into HR kind of field? Because like no one grows up saying, hey, I want to be an HR manager. Yeah, you know, that's actually really interesting. Uh, that's actually really interesting. So I thought for a long time when I was younger, as a matter of fact, I was quoted in our local newspaper saying that I wanted to become an immigration lawyer. Um, and again, I think I was nine when that happened. And so I, for a long time, I think ever since I was a young kid, my mom always said that I was always a people person um, and that I was always just very much in tune with people's feelings and emotions and wanted to just figure out how I can help other people become better. And I think as I got older, I started to realize, and especially through my experiences with work that there's no better opportunity to do that than through human resources and, mm -hmm. and working in people functions um, but then also you know then I really started to kind of hone in I think especially after my experience in Japan as a foreign exchange student that element of 
you know, differences and, and, and really leveraging the, the background and experiences and perspectives that people have. I think that for me was very, you know, sh it was very shaping for me. Um, and so, you know, I can't say, I can't probably pinpoint to a specific time when I felt like, oh, HR is it. It just kind of sort of naturally started to evolve to that. And I think, um, honestly, right now with the work that I do, even though I'm not an immigration lawyer, I can tell you that I've worked on plenty of sort of, you know, diversity recruitment and immigration um, issues, opportunities. Um, but more than anything, it was my desire to help other people wherever they were. And I can I can honestly say that I do that on a day to day. That's amazing. And I love all the pivots because it just illustrates to students that there's just no straight path to success and people will take different routes and it doesn't matter what route you go into or how you pivot. Um, you never know what the, the end of the story is. So you're yeah. a great example of pivoting. And, and I, I want to just touch, I want to yeah. stay on that for, I think, just a little bit, because, you know, I think for a long time, um, I was kind of sort of in a rut because I thought, like, I, I'm a planner, so I thought that I needed to sort of plan my life out and that, you know, um, in 10 years, you know, and in, in 15 years, you know, I, I had a vision of sort of where I wanted to be. Um, and you know, I don't think I would be right now where I am. I absolutely know that I would be in a very different place right now if those plans had even sort of panned out. And I think if anything, it builds character, it builds opportunities, it expands your network um, to be able to, you know, to pivot. I mean, I've got such a wide and amazing network because I've been able to work in government and in higher education and in retail and now, in, you know, in the quick service industry. And I think that those are those are extremely important building blocks, you know, for, the, you know, depending on where you want to go next. I know for sure for me, that's extremely important. And so, I think for a long time, I was like, wait a minute, something's not working right because that path that I had isn't sort of plan, you know, panning out the way that I thought. But honestly, the, the best things you can do is to figure out where you can pivot. I think it helps you grow. Um, and I think it, it really helps expand your experiences. And quite frankly, based on just my own experience in corporate America, um, the more diverse your experiences are and the bigger and broader your network is and the more you bring to the table, I think especially nowadays, there's a hunger for that. That's amazing. And you talked about something that's really important is networking, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to build those relationships throughout it. Like, and I don't want to really talk a lot, a lot about networking because this, it's, that topic itself is a monster of a topic oh, to even cover. Yeah. But what would you say are like the top two or three pieces of advice that you can give students on how you've been able to cultivate that network as you pivoted throughout your career and you made from government to education to yeah. technology to restaurant industry? Yeah, I would say the most important thing is to not overpromise. I think that people have a good sense if you tell them that you're a college student, you know, they know exactly where you are. I think, you know, if you if you tell them that you are in an internship, they know exactly where you are. I think that they already have a really good expectation of what, you know, you can bring to the table. Um so, so don't overpromise. I think, you know, be, be, be very clear and very upfront. Um, I think show that you're hungry, I, you know, and, and hunger can be such a, an abstract term, but, you know, in reality, just show that you're willing to show up um, and, and demonstrate that you're willing to learn and that you're willing to grow. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, 
you know, don't be afraid. You know, the reality is, um, for someone like me, for example, to, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, my days are full, right? But but people can still get through. People still absolutely break through. And I think those are the people who really show um, a level of commitment and show a level of willingness. I mean, there's, there's a connection that you make there. And I guess that's probably the last thing I'll say is make true connections. There's really no point in having a wide network if at the end of the day, nobody knows anything about you. No one knows what you can bring to the table. You know, no one can really speak to what you actually can accomplish. So make sure that you're being really smart about how you're growing your network. Make sure that people can actually speak to who you are and can speak to what you do. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that are going to vouch for you. Um, and the, the better they can vouch for you, the better opportunities I think ultimately you'll have. I love it. I love it. Let's segue into diversity recruiting, something that you're really passionate about. Um, Why do companies even focus on having diversity recruitment? Why not just recruit? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a million dollar question. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really important question too. Um, I think for a long time you saw sort of the effects of just sort of focusing on recruitment. Um, I think you saw, you know, gaps in innovation. I think that we saw that there were definitely areas, you know, even within, you know, as, as companies for different markets that weren't being tapped, you know, I think that, you know, all of those things combined can obviously make a tremendous difference in terms of your business performance. Um, but I also think truly in a, in a very much global environment right now, I mean, because there isn't really anything that isn't global anymore. The reality is that you have to be prepared to be able to respond to the needs of your customers, to respond to the needs of your employees, right? And so that's where I think that richness comes in from a diversity standpoint and specifically diversity recruitment. Um, And the reason why I think diversity recruitment is extremely important is because there was a gap for many years where we weren't really focusing on that. And so now you've got a lot of folks in sort of higher level executive roles that may not necessarily represent diversity. Um, And when things have shifted, you need to make sure that you're bringing in more of that perspective um, in order to ensure that you, like I said, that you can meet the needs of your customers and your, and your employees. And so that's, I think my response for sure. Um, You know, the reality is that when you're able to effectively celebrate different, you know, backgrounds and heritages and religious perspectives and all of these other things, um, if you use it right, you can absolutely use it to your competitive advantage while also doing great things for other people. Hey, Daniel here. Hope you're enjoying this first half of the episode. But before we move on to the second half, I wanted to share the story of Luis Guzman, a student that has gone through the academy and found so much success. Enjoy. I am here in the new office for my internship that I got thanks to the Mastering College to Career Academy. I'm with one of the um, top accounting firms in the world, and I wouldn't have done it without Master in College to Career Academy and Danielle Spatera help. Honestly, I started noticing the difference once I enrolled because previously I would apply to pretty much everywhere and I would spend two or three hours to just get the email two weeks later. Hey, I'm sorry, we decided to move forward with a different candidate. But once I enrolled and I started applying the knowledge um, that is in the modules, I started getting um, interviews and eventually offers and 
I'm graduating with four internships and I got a full-time offer in San Francisco with the top accounting firm in the world a year before graduation. So I don't want you to slip on it. This is a no-brainer. It's literally step-by-step step on um, how to become an ideal candidate. I hope you all the best of luck and don't, don't think too much about it. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. Let's talk about like what's included in diversity. Like when we talk about diversity recruiting, what does that mean? Because it's not just the skin of your color. It's not just your sex. It's also yeah. diversity of thoughts. So maybe you want to talk, can we talk about that a little bit more? Because yeah. I think sometimes it's my definition of diversity might be different than your definition. It might be different yeah. than someone else's. I think that's a really great point. Um, and I will say, I think it depends generally on the company. So different companies sort of define diversity and inclusion, I guess, you know, differently. Um, you know, what you will find is for the most part, you know, we talk about underserved or sort of underrepresented um, groups. And in some companies that could just be simply women. Uh, and some companies, as we, you and I have chatted before, it could be women of color. Um, you know, we look at, I think the best diverse strategy really look at the intersections of people, right? And so if I just look at someone um, as Latino, I think that's that's one area, right, that I can potentially connect to. But if I see you as a Latina, that already adds a different element because now I'm recognizing your experience as a woman, but also your experience as somebody growing up in Latino culture, right, or surrounded by Latino culture. And then I take that more and I, and I know that you're a vet. Now I have a different opportunity to connect. And I find out that you're a lesbian. I have a different opportunity to connect. And I find out that you're a parent. So now I've got these different intersections sections where I can potentially connect and you can show up really, uh, you know, as your whole self. And so I think, you know, there isn't sort of one standard definition of what is diverse. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of conversation about the fact, you know, we, as a matter of fact, I've had a lot of white males say to me, well, I don't necessarily want to participate in that, or I don't know that I should participate in that because I'm not diverse. I actually I actually discourage that kind of, you know, thinking because to your point, you could have a different perspective in terms of your thought. You know, you could have grown up in a completely different environment than everybody else that's around you, even those that may be other white males. You know, our, our we, no matter what, all of us bring this sort of unique perspective based on our background and experiences. And ultimately, really, that's the type of work that we So companies are making it very public about hey we're trying to increase diversity in our organization i think mm -hmm. uh at least when i remember in pepsico and we, we talked about this was um we had one of two women ceos in fortune 500 companies and there were some very ambitious goals of recruiting minority and women into leadership roles uh, it mm -hmm. was 50 percent of our management should be women uh, to mm -hmm. represent the market that we serve, which yeah. was a global market and PepsiCo yeah. very similar to McDonald's. And I have always seen that as an opportunity as me who primarily helps minority uh, students get mm -hmm. into top companies that maybe they didn't feel like they can get um, as an advantage to at least get them themselves an interview, right? Because yeah. it doesn't guarantee them a job. I mean, we, yeah. and we'll definitely dive into this more because Here's the thing, right? Like there's this top companies uh, primarily to have this target list of schools or, you yep. know, whether it's their core schools, target schools, whatever it is. A lot of times those top 25 universities 
are not as diverse as other universities might be. Yeah. And so yep. they're not recruiting um, at very diverse universities. They're, they're recruiting, they're, the, the, the talent where they're recruiting from is skewed. Yep. And so I always encourage my students to say, okay, find the companies that you're passionate about and find out if they are, if they have diversity recruiting goals that they're trying to meet, because yeah. that is a really good approach for you to get your foot in the door. But we've talked about this. And what I don't want my students to feel like is that if they do get the job, that they're only getting it because they're yeah. a minority. Yeah, I, I'm very passionate about that, Daniel, as you and I have discussed. You know, the reality is that I would question a company, you know, and I would ask, honestly, flatly, what are the, what are the top 10, 15 schools that you recruit from? And if you don't see Hispanic-serving institutions and you don't see HBCUs on there, question the hell out of it. Um, because a lot of times, to your point, that just reinforces kind of this notion of, you know, what well, we do, we are trying to recruit, you know, younger, diverse talent. But, you know, if, if you're not going to where the people are, then how are they even going to have an opportunity to really get access to those, you know, to those roles in the first place, right? And so, you know, I would say to your, to, you know, to the folks that listening to that are listening to this, you know, don't be afraid to ask, for example, where, you know, predominantly these companies are recruiting from, because that should tell you a lot. And to your point, you know, um, you know, from a developing a passion standpoint, if you see that they're showing up to the places that you are, um, or trying to recruit others that are sort of like you. And by the way, I, I do want to emphasize this point. Um, diversity recruitment is not an exchange where we basically say we're going to give this up because we want to make sure that we're getting people of color or women in the door. That should never be the proposition. It should be, you know, the reality is, and I, I say this to the teams all the time, you can't be what you can't see. And so if if folks like me, folks like you, other folks don't even know that these companies are recruiting for internship positions or anything like that, that makes it even harder to be able to do that, right? Um, that said, I do want everyone to know and understand that, for example, an internship at a company like McDonald's, and I would venture most companies, to be honest, is an extremely competitive process. I mean, I remember when I was at Groupon, you know, we had maybe 30, 40 roles open and we had over 7,000 applications, you know, um, so I want people to know and understand that if you get invited to the dance, it's because we want you to be there and we want you to show us your moves. Um, and, you know, I've, as I've sort of done different, you know, had different conversations with different people, you know, I, I hear this a lot. I think I got my internship or I think I got my rotation program or I think I got my job because of the color of my skin or because of my gender. And I, I got to say, I think that that's just us normally. I mean, I think that there's human nature sometimes to kind of question sort of motives and things like that. But I want everyone to know and understand that um, two things. Number one, chances are very high that you got it because someone believed in your capability and your ability and your experiences and saw you as someone who could bring something to the table. But the other thing I want folks to understand is that if you have that opportunity you got to put that stuff, you got to, you got to put it out of your head because again, it, you've been invited to the dance. Now it's time to show us your moves and you really have to make sure that you're showing up and you're showing out. And if you have any doubt, 
about, first of all, you'll never know why it was ultimately really that you were hired. So again, that's kind of a moot point, I think, in my mind. No one's going to tell you, yeah, you did get this because of your, your the color of your skin or because of your gender. So that's one of those things where you're never going to get an answer. So what you can do is to really focus on the opportunity and make sure that you get the very best out of it, that you expand your network, that you show people that they, that gave you the opportunity, that you deserved it no matter what reason. I love it, man. You, that is such amazing advice because um, it is very common to have imposter syndrome, right? To think Absolutely. that you're not good enough for this in internship, but you would have not been selected if it wasn't for that. And I want to talk about, you know, what are some ways that if you are a student you're listening to this, you go to a non-targeted school um, and you want to get into these top companies, yeah. like what is the best way for me to get noticed? so that I can yep. get invited to the dance, so that I can get an interview, right? Because none of, not, even a referral doesn't guarantee you a job. All it does is guarantee you an interview or help you get to that interview stage. Yeah, I would say, honestly, you know, I, I mentioned at the start that I worked in higher education for eight years. Um, and so I'm very familiar with this, you know, with this kind of process. And, and we've I've had many conversations with my students over the years about this very topic. Um, I, I would say I think one of the most important and critical things, and I'm sure you'll agree, is getting involved and getting engaged in either a local university, uh, you know, college or organization, right? So I can think of a few off the top of my head. You know, you've got NABA, you've got women in tech, you know, um, chapters uh, in, in your universities, you've got organizations like Alpha and ASE that already have sort of, you know, that opportunity, if they exist within your university. But I will say, I've also met a lot of folks who have said, hey, this doesn't exist in my university, so I'm going to contact the, the closest chapter, and maybe if I live in Florida, for example, it may be Atlanta, and I want them to know that I'm involved and that I'm engaged, because number those organizations do a few things. I mean, they're working directly with organizations like McDonald's to be able to source opportunities like internships, right, um, in real time, and, the, and companies like McDonald's want to work with them because they know that there's tremendous talent there. So I would say definitely get involved and get engaged in any one of those local, you know, colleges and universities. Um, I would say also volunteering, I think is extremely important. It just helps you broaden your network. Um, I think having an openness and a willingness to relocate is also, um, I think, important. You know, the reality is some markets, I think, are much more um, amenable to, you know, opportunities than others. And so, you know, it, it, it may take having to do that. I know for me, I wanted to study international affairs. I wanted to be in the middle of the action and I wanted to be able to you know, have an opportunity to do something in government. So I had to make the decision to move out to Washington, D.C. So I think that's important for people um, to know and understand. And um, I would say one last thing is, you know, don't give up if you try once or twice. Um, again, this is an extremely competitive environment. And so, you know, who knows, you know, you could have the best combination of things and because of the sheer volume sometimes it may get a little bit more difficult but that's again where I think to your point the power of your network is extremely important because um, you're right it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a role but I can't tell you how many times you know people have come to me and said I want to recommend so and so and in the middle of the chaos like it, it's actually been extremely helpful for me to be able to just look directly at that and be able to at least feel good about recommending somebody to one of my colleagues or you know uh, counterparts because 
at least I know that they come with a good recommendation. Yep. You know, so much that you said, I want to kind of add on just to give you guys some more actionable things to, to, to steps to do. Like you mentioned about all these organizations that are available, Alpha, there's Shep, there's Women in Tech. There's mm-hmm. just a plethora of options out there for you, for you, you know, regardless of your background, gender, major, there's something Absolutely. out there for you. So definitely get involved now let's say you mentioned what if you're in a university that doesn't have one well look all these organizations have one thing in common they're all looking to expand mm-hmm. and to open a student organization i've covered this in a previous uh podcast interview depending on your university it's not hard it takes maybe mm-hmm. two weeks and it's not two weeks worth of work it's just two weeks in total you need four to seven students that are all passionate about that and that you are fulfilling a a whole that another student organization doesn't fulfill Absolutely. and it's really not that hard to change that to meet that criteria and to think about that like let's say if i went to a school that didn't have alpha um i, I say that because i came from a business ma- major but um starting an alpha chapter they make it very easy for you to help you start it and because you're just starting out the, the organization itself is going to help you with more resources because they Absolutely. want the chapter to be successful exactly so, that is, and that looks really good on your resume to have the leadership uh, of not only being an executive of a student organization, but starting your own is just another level. Um, the second thing is when it comes to relationships is really utilize LinkedIn to build relationships with people who work at the company that you want to work at. And the mm-hmm. more that you can have in common, the better. So did you go to the same university where you're part of the same student organization uh, did you play the same sport? Um, did you go to the same, grow up in the same hometown? Like yep. the more you have in common, the better it is and personalize the message. If you Absolutely. copy and paste messages, you're going to get no replies. People can tell it's like the same thing when you get spam email. It's just, mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. So I really think that it's up to you to position yourself, to put yourself in the best situation to succeed. Like how many times can you put yourself out to bat? Um, and meet people who work at the companies that you want to work at. Um, not all of them will reply. Not all of them will refer you. But if you build genuine relationships, it will happen. Absolutely. I, I, and I think that genuine part is extremely important. And again, I, I want to reemphasize the fact that, you know, just as a practice in my life, I like to under promise and over deliver. So that's why I will just naturally tell everybody. And by the way, I think that that has been extremely instrumental in my success as a professional to under promise and over deliver. But I do think it's important for people to understand that we've all been college students before for the most part, you know, we've all been in situations where we don't really know what the next step is going to be you know um we've all been in a position where we feel that we don't necessarily have a lot to offer and so you know there have been times that people have promised me the world and i've got you know folks that are in college and university that you know will reach out to me and say hey you know i've done this and i've done that and i've done that and i've done that and here's what i can do for you you know and i i i chuckle because you know the reality is you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Don't, don't necessarily put that expectation sort of on yourself at the end, know and realize that we know exactly where you are. Um, and you know, I, I, I should have mentioned this before and I, I think it, it's actually really great for where we are right now, but I would not be where I am. And none of those pivots honestly would probably even have been possible if I didn't have people 
alongside me who actually and oftentimes saw opportunity in me that I may not even have seen in myself, that requires to have a genuine relationship with people, for people to see opportunity that you don't necessarily see within yourself. So keep that in mind because sometimes all it takes is two or three opportunities. And a lot of times I see folks who really spread themselves out very thinly and sort of walk away with very little to nothing. And so I, I do want folks to understand and, and really think about that balance because I do think that at the end of the day, those can be extremely formative. Wow. Yeah. So, so true. And, and there's a couple of things you said that I, I want to make sure we cover, but I don't want to dive too deep just because it's not the theme of the episode. Yeah. But I think a lot of students are walking in when they're applying for jobs and they have, they're assuming that the companies are hiring them because they're an expert at something, you know? And the thing is, especially when you're just having a bachelor's degree and you're going straight from university to the workforce, and this is your first level entry jobs, companies are not hiring you because you were the best at accounting or the best yeah. at marketing or the best at HR or the best engineer or the best at anything. They're more than anything hiring you for the potential that you have to bring. Absolutely. And most likely, most of the time, they will spend the time training you in the way they run their business, right? Absolutely. The standard operating procedures that have made that company successful. So when you walk in there with this assumption that you should know everything, it's actually the wrong mentality. You should go in there as a sponge and say, I know that I learned a lot in college, but I know that I'm going to learn a lot more here. And I'm open to just be a sponge for the first Absolutely. three months to first year of the role because I, I'm, I'm going to learn everything. And I think it's so important for students to not come in thinking that they should know everything and Absolutely. that they should be trying to like show their boss that they know everything like they're yeah. an expert because that's not the case well and i want to bring this back to the topic of diversity recruitment yeah. um because i think i think to your point no one is looking at you as a college student to be an expert in accounting but there are perspectives that you bring to the table especially you know think about whatever element of diversity that you bring um and when you have when you, I keep saying this, you know, show us your moves. I mean, that is, that is part of that. I mean, that's perspective sharing, right? You know, I haven't been in college in years. I don't really know necessarily what's being taught right now. I'm sure that when I, I know that when I was in college, we were talking about sort of the new cutting edge things that were happening. Bring that perspective to the table, especially if you look around and you realize that the majority of the people that you're working with are probably 20, 30 years older than you. You know, um, bring that perspective that you shared about growing up in you know the inner city bring that perspective that you share you know growing up as a puerto rican right um i want people to know and understand that whatever reason again that you got your internship part of that value that you bring is your perspective and so to your point you've got to really be you've got to really be at a place where you can do two things effectively one is learn as much as you can but also share as much as you can i love it Carlos, you're the man. You're the man. awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you for uh, doing this. Where can students uh, reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best way? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search me up, Carlos Butler Vale. Um, and I am on Twitter um, at Butler underscore Vale um, as well. I just recently kind of started doing the Twitter thing. So uh, I'm looking to, you know, expand my followers, if you will. But, you know, 
Um, and also just to learn from from other people because people are sharing some really awesome things. But, you know, I think those are definitely probably two of the best places to, to sort of connect with me. Um, feel free to follow me. I tell people all the time, follow, um, you know, because I, I get I get visibility into what you're doing and you get visibility into what I'm doing. And um, and that way, hopefully we can continue to get to know each other and actually truly build a connection. Love it. Carlos. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank this you. Is, I really appreciate amazing. what you're doing. Thank you so much. And I hope people get lots out of this. Oh, I'm sure they will. There's no doubt about it. Um, everybody else, thank you so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode of the podcast. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now if you found value in this episode, that I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next.